Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Happy Sunday. Beautiful day out there. You know, it get a little later. Little days are a little longer, and the mountains are even more beautiful. What a forecast. I mean, do we have to blame Troy for all this good weather? Or what's going to happen here? You know, it's like we're not going to hit 100. You know, it's already in the mid-April. So uh couldn't be any lovelier. And it's it's great for our environment to have all the rain we've had. You know, managing the water now is going to make a big difference. The water quality that we're getting right now, uh, the water out of the rivers, is, is outstanding. So... If you haven't run your drip system, when your plants look a little dry, you might want to go an extra session, run a little kind of a double cycle. You know, at least push all the salts down as far as you can before the summer gets here. Because uh, salt's kind of always one of our enemies here in the desert. Anyway, whatever your dreams, your passions for your perfect garden, give us a call. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Shira and Brian and Troy here every Sunday morning with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM. KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it, why to plant it. You know, we can grow all kinds of things here in our desert. We grow wonderful food. You know, we grow some of the best citrus on the planet. We grow some awfully fine vegetables here uh, of huge variety. Supply a big part of the country here in Arizona for the winter season with vegetable crops. We just grow some pretty good watermelons. And you might might not have missed much planting them a little late this year because it's been so cool. Uh, and, you know, for the summertime, you can continue with some tomatoes and peppers. And, you know, if you're a southern folk, you know, you could plant a little bit of uh those fun, fun stuff, like, you know, a little bit of that stuff that everyone loves, okra. You know, it depends on how you like it, but it's fun, and it loves the heat planted this time of year. Carrots you can still do. Um, beautiful time of year to plant almost any kind of desert shrub. So if you're going to plant anything from, you know, bougainvilleas to tropical things like hibiscus, if you want to grow some plumerias, now's the time. Perfect time to plant. It's still okay to plant your deciduous trees, fruit trees, peaches, apples, plums, and pears, and those kind of things best time of year to plant citrus but whatever your dreams are for that perfect garden or if you have something different you're doing at home give us a call we start off with pretty open phones we get to the end of the hours and we run out of uh, lines available number to call once more 602-277-5827 277-KTAR Maryland and Sun City good morning wow I can't believe I'm the first caller you were <laughs> happy Sunday good morning good morning to you <laughs> Hey, Brian, we planted some 15-gallon trees in the last about six to eight weeks ago, and there's um, one tree I've never had before. It's Cascalodi. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little worried about it. It looks kind of wilty looking to me, and I just don't know how it should be looking, so I wanted to ask you about taking care of it. Well, you know, a lot of our desert trees haven't really woken up or just starting to. I mean, they got a good kick last week when it was 99 degrees. So that really does help the desert trees. And in Sun City, you have pretty heavy clay soil on top of caliche. So it does hold a lot of moisture. So you don't really have to water that much. But even though they're brand new, I would water them probably weekly and not more than that. But water them fairly deep when you water. And I think with the warmer weather, you know, Troy's forecast, we got some 90s coming up. And uh, that weather should be warm enough for it to really wake up. 
pickup. And if you would like, it wouldn't hurt to give them a light dose of fertilizer with your next irrigation. And you could use anything from citrus food to a little bit of 2020 or miracle Grow, And all those will help kick them off the spring. So uh, deep water weekly and throughout the whole summer? Pretty much throughout the whole summer. You know, and that's not about- for everyone, Marilyn. That's for you in Sun City with the heavy clay soil. Okay, and then if when it goes back to the cool season, um, still weekly or every other week? Well, no, you can by mid-October when the, when the days are shorter. Because the other thing is the days are getting a lot longer now, too, so the plants have more of an opportunity to grow. But, you know, when the days get shorter, like past mid-October, you can go to once every two weeks. And depending on the rains, if we had another winter like last winter, you know, we didn't even irrigate our citrus groves from the first week of December until the first of March. Um, so just okay. depends. Depends on what the weather does in the wintertime. Okay, so when you say deep watering, we did not have an irrigation system. We just had it put in a couple days ago mm-hmm. and, you know, um, or a new one put in. And so uh, what kind of emitter should I have on that? Well, you know, it's, it's not a matter of how much volume you're going to put into the tree. So ideally, you have a pretty decent size well around the tree. It's going to retain the water. And um, with your soil there, it's not going to absorb it very fast, you know, because you have more clay. So it's good to water for probably an hour. And you could either use maybe like two, four, five-gallon emitters or put two adjustable emitters in each tree. That way, if one happens to get plugged, you have a you know a fail-safe from the other way. And you probably want to give them in your area on 15-gallon-sized trees about 15 to 20 gallons of water. 15 to 20 gallons. Mm-hmm. And I, I apologize. I didn't hear what size emitter you said on well, two it, emitters. It, it, you said. Yeah, I, I, I would use the adjustables personally. You know, you get the, the ones that you can one? adjust. Okay. They're pretty easy to use. And uh, we use a lot of them in our citrus orchard. are very happy with their performance. And we, we do get some plugged, but not many. And, and they tend to be pretty reliable. Okay. I sure appreciate your help. Have a nice Thank Sunday. You so much. Bye, Marilyn. You too. Uh, Jim in Phoenix. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Brian. How are you today? Well, it couldn't be a prettier morning looking out here at my sunny slope mountains. You betcha. Uh, I, I have one question. I planted uh, hot cherry peppers in my house, and I, I transplant. I put about three, four seeds in each little pot. Okay. And I transplanted them into my garden now, and uh, well, they've been there for a while, and they're growing, and. Surprisingly, most of the seeds took out of those little pots. Am I supposed to pinch off the other, like just leave one per pot area? Well, probably, Jim. How tall are the plants now? About four or five inches. You could, you know, and you've had them transplanted for a couple weeks? Yeah, yeah. So now everything, you're probably past all your transplant uh, fatality and mortality that might happen. So wouldn't be a bad time to thin them back to one plant. You know, and peppers are going to need some room to grow, so you don't want to have them too close together either. So, you know, you can separate them back down to one plant because you've already made your transplanting or, you know, thin them to one plant. And uh, what's fun about peppers, they live two, three years. Yeah, I, I, I had one before. Well, I had one plant. I planted a whole bunch before, and the dogs killed all but one. And here's a question I had. They broke the top off the pepper plant. Mm-hmm. And then it sent out two shoots, and that pepper plant produced like crazy. Well, peppers aren't like tomatoes, Jim. You can prune them and top them and shape them. You know, you can't do that with tomatoes. Hey, I hear the dog there in the background as well. <laughs> yeah, that's 
The one that uh, broke them That's before. That's the culprit, huh? <laughs> yeah. I have, now I have a, a fence around them. <laughs> I had birds come in and pull a whole pot. Not the pot. Just like with a... Um, the, the pot area out of the gr- out of the ground. Well, so bird, birds, yeah, birds can definitely do that. Birds, especially with young seedlings, will come in, and we have to keep them out of the greenhouses when we have vegetable seedlings because they like to come in and harvest the crop a little prematurely. Hey, Jim, thanks for the call. Have a nice Sunday. You do the same. Thank Bye-bye. you very much, uh, Bob and Tempe. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. How are you today? Oh, just enjoying the beautiful weather and the pretty mountains. I've been outside, and it is absolutely great, isn't it? It's pretty this morning. Uh, my, I, my questions regarding watering, please, a couple of things. Uh, I, we just had our irrigation system replaced, so I know the gallon, I know the number of emitters and the gallons. On my trees, uh, mesquite and Sonora oh, and Emerald, or, or uh, the Palo Verde hybrid that they have, been in, the mesquites have been in for about 35 years, the, the Palo Verde's uh, seven or eight years, so they're they're established. About how many gallons should those trees be getting? Well, Bob, it just depends on how much you want them to grow. You know, their growth yeah. is going to be a function of water. And if they're that old and fairly mature, they might be close to the size you want them to end up at. And right. uh, if you want to kind of cut back on the pruning and things and, you know, save a little water, I would water them deep. So when you water, you want to water, you know, out close to the, from the trunk, out close to the drip line and get the water right. to a depth of two or three feet. So you really want to water them heavy. But, you know, this time of year, if you haven't watered them all year, it'd be fine. And probably once now and, you know, once again in three or four weeks. And then what you do is you have to watch the summer. So if the summer temperature is down below 110, uh, you can water them once every two weeks, and they'll be more than happy. You know, if it's 118 like it was a few years ago, then you'd want to go to weekly watering. Or if we're having a cooler summer, you go once a month still. Yeah, no, I, I understand that, and I've done the. I've done, I understand the frequency part. I guess the volume of water is what I'm wondering about. I thought I heard you say one time on the speech or something that they should get 100 to 150 gallons. Sticks in my mind. But, well, it depends on the size uh, the of the mesquite. Tolerate. You know, you take a big mesquite yeah. tree that's 35 years old, that's 30 feet tall and 30 feet wide. It's going to transpire right. a lot of moisture. You know, and that's kind of part of what it's doing to cool the environment, too. So it's going to probably right. want on a big tree like that four or five hundred gallons of water when you water it. And uh, okay. you could really soak it, but not do it very often. Right. No, and that's what I that's what I would do and did with the previous system. Well, I appreciate that. Now, we then had uh, our landscaping guy put in several new plants yesterday. They were all five gallons. And um, I'm wondering, obviously, they're wet right now. About uh, how wet do I keep them? When do I start changing that and getting it back to my regular irrigation schedule? Well, you know, to a regular schedule, probably this fall. You want to water them extra this summer. And for newly planted plants, probably at least twice a week, Bob, for five gallons, even even the desert plants. And that's going to get them a big kickoff when they're growing through the growing season this summer. And then, you know, then in the next fall, then you could cut them back. But I would would err on the side of, of being fairly wet and fairly regular for the first summer, and you'll really see the difference in growth. Okay, appreciate that. One last question. Uh, we, an Ocotillo was put in, mm-hmm. and what do I do about watering that now and, and getting it to, to, get, to be established? Was I've never it a had bare root Ocotillo, Ocotillo Bob, or was it a rooted Ocotillo? Uh, I don't know what you mean by well, it. Well, did it come it in, a container? in a container? Did it come in a container or come bare root? No, it did not. Okay. It was bare root. Then. So, so yeah. bare root, you want to put a small emitter on there. 
like a one-gallon right. emitter, okay? Put mm-hmm. it about six or eight inches away from the trunk, okay? And you, can, and you can run it along with your other system with the new plants twice a week. But you want a little right. tiny emitter. You don't want to really flood it. You don't want to keep it wet. Uh, and hopefully they put in a little powdered sulfur on the roots if it was bare root, too. And that helps right. prevent having fungus yeah. problems when it gets started. Yeah. Well, you say put it with my other plants. I, the, the cactus, we have several of those. They're on their own valve. Uh-huh. Uh, and this Ocotillo would have, has two emitters of a half gallon an hour each. Okay. But it only so wants to get about a gallon, gallon only well. about a gallon of water at a time. Yeah, a gallon of water at a time. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Bob. Well, Bill. I guess that's it for now. I appreciate your show and everything you do and what you offer us. If I might, one more thing. Uh-huh. I have the book that uh, uh, Landscaping, Watering by the Numbers, put out by the uh, Municipal Water Users uh-huh. Association. You're probably familiar with that. Yeah, well, uh-huh. And... It's pretty. It's pretty helpful, but doesn't give some of the information you did. Well, the hard part was, the was the, well. The hard part, Bob, was <laughs> specifying the the watering, you know, cycle, and, and the book right. really tries to address it. And does a nice job, but we have a lot of different soil types here in the valley. You yes. know, we could be up on the mountains on Squaw Peak and have very rocky, porous soil, or you could be like the color from Sun City and heavy clay, or McCormick Ranch. It's similar. So you really have to water according to your soil, and it's also yes. you know according to the age and maturity of your plant. So. While it's you know addressed in the book, you know we could talk a lot faster than we could write. At least I can. I'm not. I'm not a very good typist. You know, back when back when I went to school, I think that they thought that the young men that went to college were supposed to have secretaries, and we didn't learn back then that we would be far better off taking typing than some of our other classes because you know it's such a key thing nowadays. I I have a brother-in-law who's a fine a fine attorney, and you know somehow his parents had the wherewithal to tell him to take typing, and I'm just jealous. Yes. Watch somebody type the way he does. Yes, well, I'm a little older than you. I went to school up here at ASU. I know you went to the U of A, and that's just fine for all of us. Hey, Bob, uh, I went to ASU, too, and PC. Oh, you, well, I, I, I got to tell you, you my, well. my favorite of the three, though, is what the yes. kids now is called FK, Phoenix College. I yes, I, Phoenix College, I spent two years over there back when they were winning national football championships. <laughs> well, Bob, thanks so, for the call. We're going to take a break. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Oh, we'll be right back after the break. We're going to come back with Sherman, David, and uh, Madeline. If you'd like to be after Madeline, all you have to do is give Shira a call. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 90.3 FM, KTAR. Well, it's two eggs up on whiskey toast, home fries on the side. You wash her down with the roadhouse coffee that burns up your insides. It's just a canyon, Colorado diner, a waitress I did love. We sat in the back beneath an old stuff bear, a worn out Navajo rug. Aye, 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 Katie. Shades of red and blue. Aye, 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 Katie. Whatever became of the Navajo rug and you Well, old Jack, the boss, he left at six It was Katie bar the door She'd pull down that Navajo rug And we'd spread it across the floor I saw the light that framed the sacred mountains The wooing of a turtle dove Just lying next to Katie on that old Navajo rug Aye, aye, aye Shades of red and blue, I, 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 Katie, whatever became of the Navajo rug and you. Well, I saw Jack about a 
year ago. Said the place burned to the ground. All he'd say was an old bear tooth and Katie, she left town. Well, Katie got a souvenir too. Jack smiled and spit out a big old plug. Well, you should have seen her coming through the smoke. She was dragging that Navajo rug. Ay, ay, ay. Katie, shades of red and blue. Ay, ay, ay. Get right back to the phones. Katie. Looks like the lines are full. The number to call as one's available, 602-277-5827. Uh, Sherman in Tucson. Good morning, Sherman. I have two questions for you this morning. First is regarding our mesquite trees. We live in Tucson. Mm-hmm. We're very close to the Tanca Verde River, so the temps at our house during the winter get lower than what's reported at the airport. And um, they are just draining off sap like crazy. Uh, is that unusual? Well, right now? you know, I'm they might they, they the might summer. they might have more damage right now from flat headed boars, and that might be kind of what you're saying. But the fact that they are, you know, blowing off some sap is their attempts to kind of, you know, arrest the boar situation. You know, and those boars and mesquites there have, you know, been there for millennia fighting each other. But um you know, the other part, it's been so cool, Sherman, that they really have a chance to, you know, to foliate and push that much until this last week. And I was kind of amazed that Tucson and Phoenix were both 99 on the same day. But um, that heat and the weather change, well, you'll probably see a lot more sap here for the next couple of weeks. But that's the tree defending itself. And so the fact that it is, ble- you know, blowing out the sap is kind of a good thing. Would Monterey disease control uh, being applied? Well, if you had a very special tree that you wanted to kind of, you know, give to an insurance policy, that would be fine. And actually, you wouldn't want to use Monterey disease control. What you'd want to use is like an aminochloropid type of thing, like a bare Uh systemic insecticide. And that would go through the tree. Now, here's the problem with doing that right now is that those mesquites are going to go into bloom here in the next couple weeks. And we don't really want to hurt our bee population. And because we have we know we've had ample water and good rain this year. The tree's natural defense, I think, is going to be pretty good, and it should be sufficient to help the tree, you know, overcome the bores. So I, I wouldn't be uh, aggressively using any kind of chemicals on them right now. I, I would let Mother Nature run its course. I think your tree will be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went from from really bare bare uh, branches on Monday to everything is completely greened out here in the last few days. Oh yeah, from sixty to hundred, it's a big change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the second thing, and again, getting back to the winter cold, uh, we have uh, we planted out a whole bunch of uh, our garden uh, in the fall, mm-hmm. and uh, planted a bunch of yellow, <clears throat> pardon me, yellow bells. <clears throat> that um, some are coming back, some aren't. Should I should I continue to water them and wait? Oh, Dad, don't give up on them. Give them a week or two. Yeah, I mean, you know, with warmer weather, they're going to come back out. It might be from the ground. You know, they might die all the way back to the ground. But I wouldn't think it had been cold enough this winter to kill them. And, you know, being planted in the fall, they're they're definitely compromised and weaker than a plant that had been there for a while and established and well rooted. But I, I think your your chances of them coming back are excellent. And on the lantana as well? Absolutely on the lantana. I've seen lantana go to four below zero in, in El Paso and come back. Well, that's good news because I didn't want to have to buy a whole bunch of new lantana. I, I don't Thank think you, you very much. Thanks, Sherman. Bye-bye. Uh, Dave and Goodyear. Good morning, David. Good morning. I have a naval orange tree which produces a lot of oranges, but the last two years, the oranges have been dry inside. Is it getting too much water or not enough? David, how old's the tree? 
Uh, 12 years. And it was pretty good before? Yes. Okay, well, that's Very good. that's unusual because navels, you know, there's different rootstocks, and it depends kind of on when you eat your navels. If they're on a sour orange, they'll ripen earlier in December, and they could be, you know, on a carrizo, and they'll ripen more in January. Uh, if you leave them on the tree too long, they will blow up, and they'll get drier on the ends of the fruit. So what you really want to do is, you know, maybe you're not quite eating them at the right time. But if you okay. leave navels, if you leave navels on a tree too long, I mean, they're going to blow up and be dry on the top end. You know, and that's why when we're harvesting our navels commercially, we try to hit that perfect window with the best juice content and the best flavor because they start off early and they're kind of juicy, but then it takes them to get a little dry to get sweet, you know, later in the season. But then if you leave them too long, then they get dry on the top. So okay. it's just a matter okay, of timing. So January would be a good time. January for navels here, for the most part, is good. But the best thing to do is start sampling them, you know, sometime right. in, in December and see how they taste. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, David. Bye bye. Uh, let's see, Madeline and Casagrande. Good morning, Madeline. Good morning. Thank you for your show. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, my question is: I have two citrus trees, fairly young. Um, I'm getting ready to go back to Oregon for the time, and I want to set up the water on it. How much water, and how often throughout the next five months? Fairly young, planted this year or two years ago? How, how young? Uh, the lime tree is fairly young. Yeah, just the last the lemon tree is probably four years old, okay. about five feet across. And, you know, Casa Grande, and both most of them are soils, very healthy. Are you right in Casa Grande, Madeline? We're on just north of town. We're in an RV park, and okay. it's pretty sandy, sandy right here. Okay. So if it's sandy or ground there, you're going to probably want to set them up for a weekly watering. Okay, with a okay. with a big well. Okay, and make sure you have double. Okay, I did dig a trench around them. Yeah, so yep, pretty good I did. size. In fact, two, in three fact feet. I watered them. A- oh, go ahead. Yeah, about th- two or three feet minimum in diameter. Okay, week weekly okay. watering with at least two irrigation heads in case one gets plugged up, it's not going to die. Okay, and with sandy okay. wa- with sandy ground, you're going to give them a little extra water. Okay, so on, on younger trees like right. that, you probably want to give them about forty gallons of water. Once a week. Okay. okay. And that way, if your system gets plugged up and you lose one head, you're still getting 20. That'll keep them alive. And you're not going to hurt. All right. You're not going to hurt. Now how do I water. judge 40 gallons? Well, how you do ta- I judge 40 gallons? You take your emitter and you put it in a jar. Okay. And you run mm-hmm. your emitter till you get a quart in a jar and then just do the math and see how long it's going to take to, you know, put out 40 gallons of water with the two emitters. Okay. All right. And now my other question is, I have an oleander tree that always starts blooming this time of year, about the time I go home. But how do I keep the suckers at the bottom down? I mean, I clip them constantly, but well, when I get back up, here in you November, can, you can it's pretty wrap it. at the so bottom. You can wrap the trunk from the ground up to where the branches start, and you can wrap it. Uh, what we uh-huh. use is a, is a plastic wrap that's black on the inside and white on the outside. But you can just take it and wrap it with some kind of okay. a fabric, too. But anything you do to keep the sun off the trunk, so that'll help keep the buds from popping. But especially with oleanders, when they get the calluses okay. and, and multiple buds right at the ground, it might be hard. But wrapping will still help. Okay. I didn't know putting casserole down around it would help. or Well, just, but I did just wrap some the type of a wrap just to keep the sun off the trunk will be about the best you can do. Okay. All right, Well, man. I appreciate have it. A nice, and have I a nice trip wherever you're going. Well. <laughs> Back to Oregon, and thank you. We'll be back in the fall. All so, right. thank you so much. Bye, Madeline. Take care. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we've got uh, Catherine and Glendale. Good morning, Catherine. 
um, we were getting my daughter over in Glendale. She got a townhouse. It's a, it's got a little patio area. It's about, I'd say about 10 by 10. Mm-hmm. I like to, it's full of weeds. I, Try that uh, waist high. Okay. I want to get rid of all the weeds, but I wasn't sure if it's too late in the season to plant anything. No, you can plant things, no problem at all, but you're going to have to get rid of the weeds first. But, uh, you know, oh, and, that, yeah, that, and that's just pretty much mechanical. She wants to plant some color and things in there? I mean, well, it, actually, I was wanting to do it with the grandkids, okay. and I wasn't sure what would be able to plant this late in the season. Well, did you want to plant, like, vegetables, or did you want to plant, uh, you know, shrubs and flowers? No, just flowering plants. I don't want to do vegetables. Just something Well, it's, it's the perfect time of year, uh, Catherine, to plant all things tropical. So if you want something really cool, you could put a plumeria out there, you know, which has the big flowers like on the lays. You could plant hibiscus, all the desert shrubs, so bougainvilleas, yellow bells, all those things that flower are all great to plant this time of year. Okay, and as far as the weeds, how do I keep those from coming back next Well, year? after you plant, clean everything up, and put down a pre-emergent, and you could do it one time right after you got it cleaned up, and then again in September, then again next January, then beyond that point, you probably won't have to use it anymore. Catherine, we got a hard oh, okay, break, thank but you. thanks for the call. And we have Mr. Troy Barrett has wandered into the studio here, so we're going to find out what's happening in the world. Uh, in the meantime, we do have one line available, so if you'd like to call Shira, the number to call her is 602-277-5827. Shira, Brian, and Troy here with the Whitfield Industry Garden Show, Sunday 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. are full. We'll get right to the phones. Margaret and Sun Lakes. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Brian. Uh, my friend gave me uh, a dragon fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I don't know. She called it roots. It's green. Yeah, so how do I plant it? Uh, plant it in a light potting soil. Okay, so not real heavy dirt, just light potting soil. And uh, mm-hmm. has it been cut off for a while? Is it already calloused and dry on the bottom? It's dry, yeah. Okay, so go ahead and pot it in light potting soil. Put it on a patio, ideally like south-facing, where it's not in direct sun, but it gets a lot of light. And uh, water it about once a week, and it should root right out. Really? Okay. What's a light soil mean? Well, it means, okay, say like a potting soil, like a commercial potting soil, not in dirt. I have, yeah. Okay. Okay, just potting soil. Yep, just potting soil. 
week. Thank you. Thanks, and Margaret. No need light. No need light. Just under the patio with the sun. Yeah, put it where it's got, you know, indirect, you know, a lot of light, but it doesn't need direct sun. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Margaret. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Karen and Casa Grande. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Brian. Um, I have about 1,300 square feet of Bermuda in my backyard, and I keep it yearly. I don't overseed. Mm-hmm. And I've been using pre-emergent for the past few years, and okay. it's really working well on the weeds. I just, you know, go through and pick one occasionally that comes up. But I'm having a – I have a lot of – I think it's a wood sorrel, and it's all over my yard. And uh, pre-emergent is not helping that at all. Well, you know, and part of the problem this year, Karen, that's a little unusual is we've started off so cool that the Bermuda grass, which, you know, all, all the different sods are pretty much, um, haven't had a chance to kick in and really grow until now. So they've kind of been, you know, retarded some because of the weather. I mean, it's been great for us, but not wonderful for the Bermuda grass lawns. But I think you'll find that it'll probably fill in and choke everything out again once it warms up. So I, I wouldn't... Uh, do anything too aggressive to it, and I think you'll probably find it'll it'll come out and be fine, you know, here by the middle of May or so. Yeah, and it's really not an ugly weed. It's it's pretty. It kind of looks like a little <laughs> yellow flower. So but not, it, you know, uh, yeah, you're not. It's gonna awesome. it's gonna die out anyway now with the weather. So you know, and the Bermuda grass will take over. But it just says that maybe you didn't get enough pre-emergent down last year. And it also okay. is it's also got a lot to do with the fact that we've had the cooler weather, which it prefers, and the Bermuda grass doesn't. Okay, thanks. And one quick question. Um, I put in a little um, Florida Prince peach tree in um, February, and it's doing beautifully. But uh, should I wrap that trunk? It gets some um, uh, full sun all day. Sure. It would be a great idea just to go and wrap it from the ground to where the branches start. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, let's see. John in Sun City. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for asking, sir. Well, I've got a hedgehog cactus that uh, got cactus bugs on it. I used a little spinosad on it and got rid of it. It's in bloom now, and I removed a little part of the some dead stuff, and it had inside it was hollow, had a, a dark liquid in it with little one-inch, very smooth larvae going around it. It also has developed white swatches on its on its uh, you know its green skin. I did have a nurseryman tell me that those little larvae were probably a, a caterpillar, and that's probably what the splotches were. And that malathion would be good to use. Of course, it's in bloom right now. So what, what should I do with this? Was he right about the malathion? Well, you know, it, 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 inside the plant where, where, this, where the insects were, okay, was the tissue soft mm-hmm. or decaying at all, or was it hard? No, it was pretty much a hollow little you know, tube, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, the shape of a hedgehog. Okay. It was was pretty much hollow mm-hmm. and had this dark, soupy stuff in the bottom of it. Okay, and it know, wasn't part probably. of a flower. So what I would do is cut and clean that out, and I would pick up some dusting sulfur or powdered sulfur and dust that hole. Oh. Okay? And just, okay. just clean it out that way because you don't want to get a bacterial infection there to eat cactus. I mean, that's the one thing that, you know, with all kinds of cactus can really be eaten by bacteria. So I would clean it out and dry it out. Okay, and make sure you're not watering it from the top after that, but try some powdered sulfur in there, and that should clean it up, and, you know, it should come back. With this weather, it's perfect, you know, for the blooming cycle and everything else for the hedgehog. Sure. One more question, then. The powdered sulfur, that's Mm -hmm. applied to the entire plant, or? Well, topically, it's not going to hurt. 
Okay. And okay. you can put it in the soil around the plant, but mainly putting on the flesh where the flesh has been compromised. Okay. And, and what about now within bloom and the bees and such? Well, it's not going to, sulfur is not going to hurt the bees. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Well, that's what we'll do then. I appreciate your help. Thank Thanks, you John. so much. Bye-bye. Uh, Bob and Mesa. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Brian. How you doing? Oh, beautiful morning out there. Good. Hey, uh, question. I have um, a plum, pear, and apricot tree that I just planted about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've painted the trunks on them. Do I need to shade them in the afternoon or no? So how's the foliage coming out on them, Bob? Uh, real good. Okay, so I, it'd be better than painting the trunks to go ahead and wrap the trunks just from the ground okay. to where the branches start with a piece of cardboard. Other than that, they should do best in full sun. Okay. And then um, I have a, a desert gold uh, peach tree that is quite full of peaches. I planted it last uh, September. I bought it from you guys. And one of my buddies said that I should shade it in the afternoon because he lost a bunch. Uh, is that really necessary? No. Uh, you know, in most, most instances, unless it was on the west side of a wall or something, there's no reason. It'll it'll thrive in full sun. And, and the one thing, okay. it's probably getting a little late now, but you might want to thin the peaches so that the ones that are on the tree get bigger. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thinned about. Okay. Know, we're, we're good with that. Perfect. All right, Bob, wonderful. have a nice Thank weekend. You. Thank you. Happy Sunday. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, Mike and Surprise. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Brian. How's things today? Good? Oh, beautiful. I mean, you know, sitting here, with, I grew up in Sunny Slopes. So I get to look at the mountains right out the studio window. I, could, I couldn't be in a prettier studio than the one we're in. Oh, boy. It's, it's a beautiful day. Brian, I've got a potted lady slipper, and when you cut those, the milk comes out. Mm-hmm. Is that milk very similar to the uh, fire sticks? Well, I don't think it's as toxic as fire sticks, but it's probably as toxic as the euphorbia plant. So, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't get it on your hands, wouldn't get it in your eyes. Make sure you wash your hands if you're going to, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to wear gloves. And then the problem is you have the sap on the gloves. So, but no, being careful with any plant that bleeds a sap like that, you know, a lot of them can be toxic. That is not, it's not, I don't think near as toxic as fire sticks are, uh, but it's still toxic. Okay, good to know because I got grandkids coming and I don't want them to be playing with. I got green beans gone wild, you know, <laughs> all over. So, okay, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Mike. Bye bye. Uh, Mark at Apache Junction. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Brian. Hey, I've got non native plants on my property that uh, my uh, interest was longevity and without watering them, they're drought-tolerant, frost-resistant, Chilean mesquite, and another one I can't identify. Do they have any issues over time, longevity from disease or because they're not natives? Well, the biggest thing, and even with the native uh, mesquites, when you go out hiking in the desert, Mark, you'll even see that the native mesquites are compromised by boars and drought times. Now, this year certainly hasn't been a drought. We had a lovely, uh, you know, fall and a wonderful winter, so there's no reason you should have had to water your mesquites uh, up till now. But I would recommend, uh, you know, irrigating those mesquites based on the summer temperature. Uh, anytime it's going to be over about 110 uh, for two or three weeks, you need to irrigate them. 
but but not disease wise. Well, it's not disease; it's insect pest. So what happens oh, okay. is that when the trees weaken by drought, okay, uh, then the the borers can go and bore into the tree, and they 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 attack the native mesquites the same way, and they bore the, into the, the tree and they eat the, the cambium layer, and then the the, the branches will die back to the ground. They usually won't kill it, but they can kill it back close to the ground. It, it's the same as with the native mesquite. Exactly. Uh huh. It's, okay. not as, it's not uh, as hard as, hardy as a native mesquite. The difference between a Chilean and a native, a native is a very deep taproot on it, and the Chileans are more surface-rooted. Um, so if it's a thornless Chilean, it's a real Chilean, it's going to have more roots that run out across the surface. Now, those really do well you know, in an irrigated lawn because they'll go out and find the shrubs, even if you weren't irrigating the tree, and they'll find some water. But um, that doesn't really exist for them in the desert, and that's why they don't naturalize here. Do you- do you think they would possibly uh, tap into the runoff from a septic tank? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, they all will. Yeah, oh, if you've okay. got if you've got, a, if you've got a tree that's growing really fast and you have a leach field from a septic around, you know, chances are the tree's over there partying, and that tree will be in I, heaven. I have that concern, but this one's fifteen plus years old, mm-hmm. fully mature, and it. My septic tank is uh, acceptable. I haven't had any problems. Well, it's not. Gonna, it's not going to hurt, Mark, for the tree to root into a leach line somewhere. And in fact, it'll dry up your leach line, which is the good thing. The, the drainage field, right? So it could be out in the okay, leach field, and, and if it's out in the leach I, field, it'll be fine. My thought was it went into the trench from when they put in the they did the trenching because there's a service PVC water line right in this vicinity, mm-hmm. and it, this has been 15, 10, 15 well, if, if plus you, years. if you've got a trench soil where you disturb soil and you put a trench in there, and then the moisture is going to go in that soil more, the roots are going to go and stay in that trench, but that doesn't mean the that, roots are going to cause you any problem. Well, but, okay, what about stinkweed? What about it? Oh, my neighbors have a 2,000 square feet of it, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm keeping it. I, I saw on a uh, the news that it's non-native. Right, it's terrible. And you, pre-emergence work well on it. So what you have to do so, is put a pre-emergence I, down in January. Tell tell your listeners the ground is soft, green. It's cool in the morning. Pull them up. Get rid <laughs> well, of them. If, if you've got the time to do it, it's a it's a great way to get rid of. Them. Mark, we got to take a break. Thanks for the call. Have a nice I weekend. I just did it. Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye. Uh, we'll be right back after a break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we do have a couple lines available. We have the lovely Shira here on Phones and Music. All you have to do is give her a call. Number to call 602-277-5827-277-KTAR.
to do the work. You know, Whitfields, we do deliver and plant trees. But in the meantime, this is a great time of year to plant citrus and palm trees, all kinds of desert trees. If you want to plant mesquites, ironwoods, you know, one of the hardiest desert trees here, truly, is like a Swan Hill olive. You know, fruitless olive, nice green tree, stays green year-round. Really a pretty easy way to go. Great time for palm trees, from native palm trees like California fan palms to date palms, Bismarckias, all those. We grow thousands. It's, we have beautiful roses at the nursery. If you're going to get some roses in for Mom for Mother's Day, get them planted a little early, come out and see our rose selection right now. Really fantastic in bloom and loving this weather. The transition last week with the 99-degree stuff really made the buds pop. But whatever your dreams are for that perfect landscape, come out and see us at Whitfield's, our original store. It's at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 264070 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of Sky Harbor Airport. We're open Monday through Saturdays from 7 to, or not from 7, we don't open early. We actually officially open at 8, 8 to 5.30. Sundays from 10 to 4. Come out and see us. Uh, beautiful time of year to be out in the garden. We'll get back to the phones next up. Bill and Tempe. Hi, Bill. <laughs> Hi, how are you like doing? Saw in the background there. <laughs> good, Bill. How no, are I'm you? Sorry about that. That's all right. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> hey, so I have a couple questions. Don't laugh. My landscapers here this morning. Um, so I bought. I buy almost everything from you guys. I just love you guys. So I bought a a lime tree and a lemon tree. So the lime is a Mexican lime, and then the lemon is a um, that other. Meyer, Lisbon, one uh, of those? My, Meyer, Meyer's Lemon, yep. Okay. So we planted them. This is their first spring that's like when we planted them last spring. Okay. This is their first spring. So we got a whole bunch of um, flowers this year. I mean, it was like a billion of them, it seemed like. Um, not all of them held just because I think it was just kind of going too much. But when will they start setting out like new growth for leaves? Uh, with the warm weather here the next week or so. You know, it, it's been okay. so cool. They really haven't grown much. You know, we, the first time they had the chance to grow was last week when we hit that, you know, 99 degrees and it was warm for a few days. But with the weather we're going to have going forward here now, the 80s and 90s, uh, they're going to kick right in and grow. Got it. Okay. Cool. I was just a little afraid. I'm like, uh. Well, the other thing, Bill, I can't is. I how many know, blooms they set out. Well, so. they do. You know, and if, if they all set, all that fruit stayed on them, you know, the trees would collapse. But um, yeah, at any exactly. rate, the best thing to do for them right now is to keep them on a regular fertilizing schedule. A young trees like that, if you'll feed them once a month, uh, that'll really be beneficial. And where do you live in Tempe? What cross streets? Um, Elliot, McClintock um, and Elliot. Okay. So water them once Tempe. a week, fertilize them once a month. Okay. Any recommendations on any term fertilizer? Or well, just, uh... We've got Organo Pro Citrus Fertilizer, which we like pretty well. It's got chelated iron and sulfur in it. It works well. Okay. I'll, I'll stop by the I'll stop by your South Phoenix location and grab it. Thanks, Bill. Cool. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, Lisa and Gilbert. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. We're Can still here. Yes. Okay. Um I have a, a indoor um, ficus mm-hmm. that I've had for about 38 years. Okay. Last year, um, late summer, um, it got infested with like um, little flies, uh, gnats, right. like gnats. Mm-hmm. I thought I got rid of them. They just started back. I'm not sure what to do. Well, take it, in the, take it out to the patio, where it's going to be in the shade, Lisa, and drench the soil. Uh-huh. 
Okay. And you could, you okay. could drench it. Um, well, you could just use malathion or you could use spinosad, but just, just drench the soil and that should take care of it. And, and what is that called again? Well, malathion is one. Spinosad mm-hmm. is another. It could be either one of those two. Okay. And okay. you're just going to drench the soil. So you just put it in the soil and let it run throughout, you know, throughout the pot, across the patio, let it dry out and then bring it back inside. But it, they're, they're probably breeding in your soil and they could have come they from are. another plant somewhere. And uh, okay. so if you have other plants, I would drench them all at the same time to eliminate the problem. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Bye bye. Oh, let's see. Next we have Mike and Mesa. Hello, Michael. <laughs> Hello, Brian. Uh, good morning. My question is, it's about a uh, rosemary bush that I planted in a pod over the winter, and it's nice, full, two feet tall, and I've been able to, you know, take care of it that way. But I'm thinking about putting it in the ground, and I was wondering, is there a special kind like Tuscan Blue, or is any rosemary, is it good enough to plant out in the sun, and then how much sun is it going to does it need to get? Well, all rosemary varieties that I'm familiar with will grow here fine in the sun, so that's not going to be an issue. Um, in fact, they'll take reflected heat even if you plant them early enough this time of year. So it, it, as long as it gets three or four hours a day of sunlight, it'll probably be happy. Okay, then, but it would be better maybe an east-facing wall than a west-facing wall? Well, uh, you're going to have to water more and care for it more the first summer west-facing, but rosemary yeah. will do fine west-facing. Okay. All right. I'm going to try that then this this summer. You know, the easiest place to grow a planter in the valleys on the south side because you get the benefit of the sun all winter, and then you get a little shade in the middle of the summer when the sun goes past north. But, you know, we can't plant everything just on the one side of the house. So, And rosemary will grow pretty much everywhere. Okay. Thank Thanks, you very Mike. much. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Michelle in Phoenix. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. I am calling from uh, Cape Creek in Deer Valley, and I'm calling regarding a Hong Kong orchid um, that I have that is a new growth, um, just recently planted. The tree was in a little bit of a rough shape with a lot of dead leaves and not much growth, and I'm looking for some guidelines on how to bring it back. Uh, Mother Nature or Father Nature, whichever you believe it is, is going to take great care of you here in the next few weeks. Um, Orchid trees, especially the Bahania Blakeyan or the Hong Kong orchid, love heat. Okay, and the hotter the happier. And they're almost like a Mexican bird of paradise, so they're happier at 110 than they are at 90. But with the warming weather, they're going it's going to really grow and fill in. Did you plant it in the ground, Michelle? Yes, I did. Okay, so, you know, really what it needs is probably weekly watering, um, you know, a minimum. It might might need a little bit more than that, but should be weekly watering with a good deep irrigation. Don't be afraid to feed it. If you want to feed it something quick, you could give it miracle Grow or Peter's or water-soluble. If not, you could feed it with, like, citrus food and stand back. It's going to grow really fast. It's going to drop a lot of foliage. All the old leaves will fall off. It'll put out new growth, and it may even bloom for you still. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks, Michelle. Bye-bye. Evelyn and Buckeye. Good morning, Evelyn. Good morning, Brian. I have eight acres in pasture for my horses in Buckeye. Mm -hmm. And every year I plant four acres of rye sometime in the fall to early winter from seed. Okay. And then the other four acres I keep in Bermuda year-round, and I just water it in the spring, and it starts growing, and I have summer pasture. 
this year, and I've noticed it for at least the last four or five years, I don't remember when it started, both my pastures are full of foxtails. It's the weather, you know, and there's a lot more foxtails this year. Um, now, it would be easy there- to control the foxtails, you know, in the pasture that's rittergrass because you could put a free emergent down, you know, and that's going to oh. keep them from coming back up. But, uh, and that's going to be September and January. Right. And you could also probably, you know, if you plant your rye grass early enough, I'm not sure when you plant your rye, but you can plant rye at the end of August. You don't have to. And the earlier you plant, the faster it's going to grow. So if you'll plant your rye okay. early and get it established and then put a pre-emergent right. down, you can probably control it there as well. 